0: Welcome to another episode of Mutual Growth, a podcast by Penn Community Bank. I'm your host, Aaron Clark. As the coronavirus pandemic and the global response to it continue to shape our economy in ways like never before, businesses and analysts are working to get a sense of what a post-pandemic economy looks like and what key indicators today can tell us about 2021 and beyond. Today, we're once again joined by Dorothy Jaworski, Penn Community Bank Director of Treasury and Risk Management, to get her thoughts on the state of the economy and her forecast for quarter three. In our conversation, we discuss her reaction to the historic quarter two economic numbers, the impact of mounting debt on any economic recovery, and her thoughts on the Fed's response and its new role as lender to the world. After the show is over, be sure to check out the show notes and links to resources at penncommunitybank.com podcast. Dorothy Jaworski, welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you, Aaron. My pleasure to be here.
0: We are uh, excited to have you on, not only to, to dive into the, the newest economic numbers, but uh, your first episode was the most popular uh, podcast that we've done in, uh, in the short time that we've been on. So mm-hmm. we're, uh, we're glad to have you back. Thanks yeah. for joining us.
1: Okay, good. I appreciate that.
0: Um, so diving right into these numbers, we're, we're obviously now into to quarter three. But just within the last week or two, we did re- get the, the quarter two reports um, for economic uh, news. And, and a lot of people were shocked. Maybe they shouldn't have been, but sometimes these numbers can be jarring. Quarter two showed an economic shrinkage um, at nine and a half percent between April and June, uh, a 32, you know, almost 33 percent plunge that you might have seen in some headlines at first glance, what are your thoughts on those quarter two numbers for, for uh, the GDP?
1: Well, Aaron, I probably won't have anything nice to say about the numbers. Um, you're right. The GDP report for the second quarter, the numbers were released last week. And the quarterly numbers were down nine and a half percent. And if you annualize that, it was down 32.9 percent. The abrupt lockdown of the economy in April and May and, you know, some of it into June led to large declines in consumer spending. That was down by 34.6 percent annualized. Wow. Services were down 43.5 percent annualized. All the the numbers I'll read here are going to be annualized. Residential investment, that was down 38 percent. Non-residential investment was down 27 percent. Equipment was down 35%. Those are equipment orders by businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, imports were down 53%. Exports were down 64%. So needless to say, this is the worst quarter ever reported for the U.S. economy. And the first one to be caused by a health crisis and a shutdown of the economy.
0: Yeah, those are pretty, uh, pretty, pretty jarring numbers. Um obviously you touched on the fact that it's it's caused by something right so it's not it's not as if we couldn't see this coming or or didn't know what the root cause of it was but i don't think that makes it any any easier to swallow is there any good news looking forward into to quarter 3 i know you've said in your your newsletter that you're expecting a 10 to 20% rebound uh, in quarter three, uh, with, a, with a very important caveat of if we can remain open. Uh, right. Is there a positive future outlook coming off of those bad quarter two numbers?
1: Uh, yes, there is. So, you know, I didn't have anything nice to say to your first question. But, <laughs> you know, we, we did shut down the economy. The economy was doing quite well before all this happened. You know, it was actually continuing on at at the pace it had been for many years before that. So, you know, we basically caused it by shutting things down. Uh, Economists have a lot of hope for the third quarter, um, you know, to bounce back. As bad as the second quarter was, we're projecting that we might get half of it back in the third quarter alone. And you mentioned the projections are something like 10 to 20 percent. You know, the, the wide range on some of these projections is because it's very hard to isolate who's working at home, who's not you know what businesses are operating, you know, etc. But um this assumes we can remain open. And that worries me a little because if we continue lockdowns and business restrictions, you know, that'll take off of our growth. Mm-hmm. If schools don't open in the fall, uh, we might see parents having to stay home with the children and not being able to work. Um same would go for daycare if that doesn't open. True. Sure. Um travel and vacations um you know they're they're you know continuing on they're higher than they were but you know they're not improving as we originally thought um people you know people won't spend if they can't go out is basically my message you know if we remain open people will spend if we cannot remain open we'll probably experience growth less than that 10 to 20% range uh, probably half of that well
0: wow. yeah you we mentioned there's variables there Um, But but looking forward through the rest of the year, um, whether it's slower because of of a re shutdown or faster because of, as you're saying, if people can go out and spend that money, what do you Mm -hmm. think that the rest of 2020 looks like? And and more importantly, is there a snapback at all in 2021 um, or or is it going to kind of continue to go up and down with uh, this pandemic for the foreseeable future?
1: Yeah, most people think that, um, you know, we were down so much in the second quarter. It's going to take us a couple quarters to recover that. So if you look at the full year of 2020, we'll probably be down anywhere from close to 6% to 8%. That's because we don't have, you know, two quarters is probably not enough time to recover from Mm -hmm. the second quarter. But there are positive hopes in just about every economist's work that I look at for 2021 to rebound by four to six percent. You know, once again, assuming that we can remain open and things can, you know, continue on. But um, some of that, if we still, if we grow by four to six percent in 2021, it still may not bring us back to the 2019 levels before the pandemic began. One of the most optimistic forecasts is the Federal Reserve. They're They're you know looking at twenty twenty-one and twenty twenty-two with growth anywhere from four and a half to six percent for both of those years.
0: Hmm. Yeah, you you mentioned you mentioned getting back to where we were previously, obviously the economy kind of moving along at a at a steadier pace in 2019 and before. Um, a lot of people when they when they think of the economy, they think of the stock market, and obviously the stock market had had reached all-time highs even the last time that we had talked so early into 2020, uh, shortly before that. um, While there's still the ups and downs daily, uh, the market would appear to be giving an upward recovery trend, you know, the S&P, Nasdaq, both above their previous highs now, but volatile. Should people uh, look at this as a true bounce back? What, what What are the economic factors that are driving the market from maybe feeling a little more disconnected than the total economy?
1: yeah there's several factors go into you know the stock market Uh, we did have tremendous sell-offs because of the virus you know um, throughout most of march march 23rd ended up being the low Mm -hmm. but several factors turned this around and sent the markets higher for the last four months Um, the first being the federal reserve cut interest rates to zero and they also promised support for the markets by buying all kinds of bonds, keeping rates low, and that would, has a tremendous effect on different companies and you know the, their ability to borrow. Congress also approved the CARES Act, and that was uh, more than two trillion dollars of relief. And you know, currently being discussed is another relief bill. So that tended to you know prop up the hopes of the stock market. Interest rates have been extremely low, and investors tended to move to stocks because bond yields were so low. Hmm. So there could be a little bit of rotation going on for, you know, demand for stocks. And I noticed in the last several weeks, it seems like the technology stocks are really taking off because they've proven their worth in the economy where a lot of things are shut down and they keep going. So technology is one of the big drivers. But as we move forward into, you know, the rest of 2020, I would look at indicators like business and consumer confidence. There's another measure that gets published monthly called the Leading Economic Indicators that tends to look ahead six to nine months to give people some idea of what the economy is supposed to do. And I believe stocks are looking past the pandemic and seeing that the economy can get better especially thanks to recent COVID treatments that are being announced by different Mm -hmm. drug companies. And there's, you know, four or five different vaccines in the works, you know, they're trying to get them done by year end or shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. But I would watch stock markets because they're, they are a forward looking indicator. And I'd also watch interest rates. They are very, very low. And if they begin to rise just a little bit, it'll be a sign that um, they think the economy
0: is improving. Yeah, something to uh, to keep an eye on for sure. Um, in that, you mentioned the CARES Act. Obviously, the last time we talked, uh, we discussed the CARES Act and some of the other pieces of that legislative uh, rescue package, uh, which included the Paycheck Protection Program, the unemployment insurance, uh, as well as some of those direct payments to individuals and family. You mentioned the price tag. Trillion, trillions of dollars went into that uh, effort to stabilize the economy. Uh, you talk about kind of another round of that being discussed. What are your thoughts on on another round of trillion-dollar uh, support measures? Um, is, it, is it enough, too much? Um, your thoughts?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think that Congress's CARES Act, the original one, it did quite a bit to help consumers with direct payments and also the extra unemployment insurance. And it also helped businesses, as you mentioned, with the Paycheck Protection Program. And in fact, Penn Community Bank, we were able to help seven hundred and thirty nine businesses that those the count as of Monday with to get these loans in our local area and hopefully, you know, um, you know, sustain those businesses through this tough time. The first round of relief, that was two and a half trillion, and it was it was effective for some time. But I, I think the lockdowns went on longer than expected. Leaving leaving many businesses closed and employees are still out of work. So, I think that another trillion dollar package is being discussed right now. Um, I do think there's a strong chance it'll pass, and it's going to be more targeted towards, um, you know, the unemployed and the small businesses, I believe.
0: Um, Obviously, well intentioned, but we, we talk about the price tag associated with these. One of the things that you know, you've always mentioned when, when talking about the economic landscape uh, is the impact of public and private debt on the possibility of economic growth. Um, what do you anticipate to be the long-term impact of spending of this, this new debt um, on the GDP and the potential of the economy to recover?
1: Yeah, um, you, you know me well. I always talk about you know, the debt levels um, to our the size of our economy, um, debt already issued by the u s government this year it 's already four trillion dollars, and whatever um, relief package they come up with that 'll be additional debt as well. Um, studies tend to show that when government debt is greater than ninety percent of GDP, there starts to be a drag on economic growth, and we saw evidence of this in the last ten years. Hmm. And I always note that in 2009, our economy crossed the 90% mark of debt to GDP. And for the 10 years after that, we were in a recovery. So it was a you know, lengthy period of time of you know, growth. True. But we were very low at two, you know, the growth rate was 2.2 to 2.3%. We did, you know, we, we did have that record recovery, but most recoveries in the past not, you know, although not as long, they saw three to 4% growth. Hmm. So, um, you know, some of the news right now um, government debt is at 110% of GDP and rising. It was 100 before the um, pandemic began. So, I believe this will lead to growth less than 2% that we were experiencing. And this is after probably 2021 and 22 when we see the bounce back to get ourselves back to 2019 levels. I believe after that will be more like one and a half to 2%
0: long term. Certainly a a future uh, future issue for discussion Uh, in Washington. uh, One of the other Mm -hmm. items from Washington that that uh, I always like to take your temperature on is the policies coming from the Fed uh, and agencies like the Treasury. In our last conversation, you really put a focus on, on Secretary Mnuchin and Chairman Powell. What are your thoughts today on their continued involvement? And uh, what do you expect from those two moving forward from their agencies, uh, covering things like rates, bond buying that you've already mentioned?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, last time I did mention that I thought Fed Chairman Powell and Treasury Secretary Mnuchin they were heroes of this crisis they targeted help exactly where it was needed when it was needed and you know the fed starting with the fed they calmed the financial markets at every turn they bought bonds they kept liquidity very strong and they're still doing that today so treasury and congress you know set up the cares act to help consumers and businesses and they also sent relief to hospitals you know for the coronavirus costs sure Um, I see the Fed keeping interest rates very low into probably at least 2022, because I I think that um, Chairman, you know, Fed Chairman Powell, he's going to want to see the economy, you know, the economic growth be a little bit strong so that then he knows he can start, you know, raising rates a little bit. But some economists um, that I follow, they think rates will be low for a long, long time um this will help the markets, you know, keep keep rates low by con- continuing to buy bonds. And I see another trillion dollar relief bill coming out of Congress. You know, who knows the timing? They're still talking about it today. Sure. Um, you know, but I, I do think that they are going to reach agreement, you know, because they have to ha- they have to help the unemployed and they have mm-hmm. to help the small businesses.
0: Staying on the Fed for for just a second, this past weekend, the Wall Street Journal uh, had a piece with the headline and subheadline: COVID supercharges Federal Reserve as backup lender to the world. When the coronavirus pandemic halted the global economy, the US central bank lent massively to foreign counterparts. What are your thoughts on um, the new role that the Fed is seeing in an increasingly a, a globalized response to this pandemic?
1: Well, I think that they have it right, lender to the world. Um, You know, the Federal Reserve, uh, they started in March as the, you know, the financial markets were trading a little volatilely in just about every sector. They started with the treasury markets, then they moved to agencies, mortgage-backed securities, and they were buying those bonds to calm down the pricing and the, you know, the liquidity of the markets. And at that point, they even opened up a facility for foreign governments to borrow cash which was a pretty unique thing. You know, the, mm-hmm. Fed, the Fed does supply money back and forth to governments, but in this case, they uh, you know, quadrupled their lending to the, you know, to the rest of the world. They also, they're buying corporate bonds and municipal bonds for the first time. And they also have a business lending facility that they set up. So they're directly helping small businesses, of course, mm. going through the banks to help those businesses. But it it clearly shows their strength in the face of this crisis. And I don't think any other country can even come close.
0: Bringing it back closer to home, just as we wrap up here, we've talked about kind of projecting out in the future. They're not necessarily being a straightforward path of good news. There's a volatility that -hmm. that you could see with potential lockdowns. But for for listeners or customers um, who are trying to think, about their financial status for the, the near and midterm. Can you just touch on the safety and soundness of Penn Community Bank as a local uh, financial services provider um, for folks who might be a, a little anxious uh, about some of these ups and downs we expect to go through moving forward?
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, at Penn Community Bank, being a mutual, we've, al- we've always made a conscious decision to hold higher capital. And that's one thing that shows the strength of a bank you know, your capital levels. Recently, our equity topped 300 million for the first time and our capital ratios remain very strong. Um, the financial markets and regulators consider well-capitalized institutions to be those with really high capital ratios. So we definitely fall into that category. And in fact, the banking industry as a whole was very well-capitalized going into this health crisis. Mm. So you know, there's not many banks that are experiencing trouble at this time. We have str- We at um, Penn Community, we also have strong liquidity, or the ability to raise cash to fund loans and loan and deposit activity. We also have very strong loan loss reserves. You know, in addition to our strong equity capital. Well,
0: that should be uh, that should be a little uh, little calming uh, to, to folks that are looking at. Uh their financial situation or for mm-hmm. businesses looking for, uh, for lending solutions here as we continue to try and bounce back from the economic impact. Dorothy, thank you right. so much for joining us uh, today. Before we go, I do want to make sure that, that everyone out there uh, remembers that you have a great quarterly economic update. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about that? Uh, and we'll make sure that they can find that link uh, with this podcast.
1: Sure. Um, what I do is I prepare a, new, a quarterly newsletter, On the economy and the markets, you know, and I try to give my thoughts and try to, you know, make easy some of the concepts and economic data pieces that come out on a quarterly basis. So, you know, if anybody's interested in receiving that, just you can contact me directly, leave a note on our website or just ask any employee to contact me and I'll add your name to our email distribution.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Mutual Growth, a podcast by Penn Community Bank. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. And as always, keep up with the latest from Penn Community Bank by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Penn Community Bank and connecting with us on LinkedIn. For more information about this podcast, links to past episodes, and to learn more about community-first banking, just visit pencommunitybankcom podcast. Mutual Growth is the official podcast of Penn Community Bank, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. It is produced for the benefit of current and prospective customers and partner organizations. This program is provided solely for educational and entertainment purposes. The information contained herein is based on sources believed to be reliable, but is not represented to be complete, and its accuracy is not guaranteed. The opinions, views, and estimates expressed are those of the presenters at the date of production and are subject to change without notice. Please email marketing at penncommunitybank.com regarding booking or repurposing any part of this podcast.